Volunteer for the San Francisco Food Bank. The San Francisco Food Bank relies on volunteers like you to help sort, package, and distribute healthy food to people in need in San Francisco. Each year, over 22,000 people contribute thousands of hours to fighting hunger in our community. This support will enable the SF Food Bank to distribute 43.5 million pounds of food this year, enough for 93.000 meals every day. But they can't do it without volunteers. Visit www.sffoodbank.org slash volunteer. Again, www.sffoodbank.org slash volunteer to find out how you can help.
Japanese therapy. Lying down on the couch? Well, what does that mean? You're a nut. You're crazy in the coconut. What does that mean? That boy needs therapy. I'm gonna kill you. That boy needs therapy. Granny Gazoo, let's have a cheese. I want to count three. That, 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 that boy, boy needs therapy. He was white as a sheep. And he also made false teeth. <laughs> Trina. Hey, Ed. How are you doing this afternoon? Doing all right. Woo! Awesome. I am so happy to be here. It's a beautiful day. This is my favorite thing to do every week. And I'm super excited about the topic today because after our um, Immutables podcast last Sunday, and welcome everybody to the Immutables. I'm Trina Roderick, and I'm here with Ed Ant, who's running the board, the ones and twos. Hello. I didn't. I thought Pam just called it the board, the ones and twos. Okay. Here, here's the what? thing about 
every time that she calls it the ones and twos. What? The ones and twos are actually those right there. And I'm pointing to the the record players. Well, I figured it had some sort of random reference, but I was listening to a song the other day. I don't remember what song it was. And the one of the, it wasn't a lyric. It might have been either a lyric or, you know, how sometimes they kind of chatter before this. I think it was a lyric. Somebody blah, blah, blah on the ones and twos. And I was like, oh, Pam yeah. knows what she's talking about. Yeah, yeah. Except, like I said, the ones and twos are the LP players. Well, I mean, I'm not su- I'm not too surprised that it's like a term from back when DJs were less technologically gifted. Technically, they were more technologically gifted because nobody here literally uses the ones and twos. (laughs) No one. Well, it's just the turntables. Yeah, yeah. It's just the turntables. That's the ones and twos. Because nobody has the albums anymore. I had a hard enough time. Well, that's true. I had a hard enough time scrapping, putting together a CD. I, I couldn't. Like I, I'm actually kind of sad. Like the first time I put together an iTunes library was when, anyway, now we are way off the top subject. So we're here today. I want to talk again about the duck face, um, selfie photo because I got into again it with, with bad selfies. It, uh, yeah, well, you know, the more I think about it, the more that, that photo is the perfect, um, the perfect instigator for this conversation uh and the f- the photograph is perfect in just so many ways Re- that remind i can't me again what this conversation that we have yet to have is well okay um so like i said i got into it with steven torres and i want to talk about the conversation in several different respects um and, and first, I want to start out because it, it, the, the, it sort of devolved into us not quite hating each other. I, I wouldn't say hate, but it, it, it got as conversations online. You're not going to make babies with him. Is that what you're trying to say? Well, I mean, it was never that. It was just that it people have a tendency to get real ugly really, really fast. I mean, that's just the way um, we communicate. And, Well, I shouldn't say that's just the way we communicate. That's a function of communicating with people that you never think you're going to see again. And it doesn't, you don't really have enough contact with them for the, the, these sort of slight social snubs to make a difference. So when I was an attorney, for example, I noticed that when I worked in dependency, which was a, a job that was regular courtroom work assigned to a regular courtroom with the same judge and the same other attorneys in the courtroom, the same DA every day, um, there was considerably more kindness and respect. I mean, we still argued. We still held our positions and held our ground and represented our clients. I mean, just because we were kind to each other off the record doesn't mean that we went on the record and, um, you know. Were friendly? You know, that didn't impact our job in any way. In fact, it made it, you know, easier and more pleasant, which is why you do it, you know, just because, and the thing is, 
with civil litigation is considerably different because you have one client and in a case you have a, like 40 clients like so let's say for example you're a defense attorney and you're juggling 40 clients you're maybe going to see those attorneys on the other side of those cases again maybe not i mean some of the bigger more consistent firms you see cons frequently and some you don't and so in those situations, when you're up against an attorney and a firm you think you're never going to see again, I noticed that um, the attorneys tended generally to be nastier and get nastier quick, more quickly because there's not quite the same sort of... Because there's no relationship to right. grab at. Well, and there's no, it's, there's not only no relationship to grab at, but you're never going to see each other again. So people, it's easier Hence, to no get ugly. Right. Yeah. So I, I, I it, it's hard for me not to think that that's sort of what's happening online. I mean, these are people that you don't have to see face to face. These are conversations you're not having face to face. And so it's easy to get ugly fast. What do you yeah, think? It, it's a lot easier to be detached when you do in front of somebody just tell them something. Yeah. But it's more than just detached. I feel like it's it's the willingness to be, um, you well, know, harsh that, in a way you might that's otherwise. That's the thing. If you're detached from what you're saying, mm -hmm. you can be more malice without thinking about it. It's just yeah. how it works. Yeah. Right. Not that uh, being detached is always a bad thing. It's just, you know, just part of it. Yeah, it's just different. And, 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 and I guess that's sort of how I think about, um, you know, the way people speak to each other on the Internet now. Um, and and I, I feel really uh, compelled to continue to talk about the, the self-faced or the uh, duck face selfie and hate in particular because it's a really, really important concept to understand um, moving forward into the 21st century. Um, I feel like we, we need to absolutely get back, get away from the 1950s um, black and white thinking whereby there was a, a good, you know, good guy that dressed in white and was constant perfection and in contrast to that like i'm thinking of the 1950s westerns you have the bad guy dressed in black and is constantly um the bad guy and those th those sort of this is that thinking about people is just too simplistic given the fact that we now interact globally with each other through the internet it's it we need to understand people with greater complexity and i i remember for example like the movies started to demonstrate more complexity um sort uh, and definitely like, I remember the first time I saw Reservoir Dogs, for example, like the Quentin Tarantino films of the early 90s. I, for me, that was the big impact of, of Reservoir Dogs was the fact that all of a sudden we weren't we were looking at the bad guy, not with not with um, animosity, but we were sort of, it was this new sort of, not necessarily sympathetic approach, but behind the scenes approach that was necessarily um, humanizing because, you know, people are people. So behind the scenes, the guy, you know, the bad guys are going to argue amongst each other. Um, the bad guys are going to, you know, the, the people are people. You know, we only think of people as good and bad in relation to ourselves or 
our group or our country or our set that we are identifying with at that moment in time. Um, but the people on the other side are people too, right? But it's but we'll let's get into that. So so I broke down the reasons um, not to hate someone just because they express some form of ism like racism or sexism or I mean I think it just I think we need to be um, well let me get into it so there's three separate reasons one reason is that it's um, the best choice for yourself as a person another reason relates to her as a person and then the third category is the reasons related to the world generally and where we're going so let's start with um, the preface to pedagogy of the oppressed because that's that's my jam I so love pedagogy of the oppressed I hate the word pedagogy it basically means teaching kind of thing I, I really freaking hate that word though I mean it basically knows it I, I it's a pretentious word it's totally annoying. I, I really freaking hate it. But it, it basically just means know what to do. We don't, it, teaching somebody what to do. So, so, if, so a big part of the problem with overcoming oppression is we don't know how. Like, we don't know what to do to get there. What are the steps? There's no, nobody's going to lay out a plan. We have to figure it out for ourselves. Um, so I'm going to read from, or do, would you like to read from um, Pedagogy of the Oppressed? Not in the, particularly. I'll read it if you want me to. It's only a couple sentences. All but right. you have a much better reading voice. I as we, As we have. All right, so... Um, I'm just going to read the first paragraph and the first sentence in the second paragraph. So just to right there. I have encountered both in training courses which, in, which analyze the role of conscience. Easy to find. How do you spell it again? The... Go ahead. N S C I E N T I. Yeah, I don't know how to pronounce that Nobody word does. in Spanish. It's made up. Huh? What's the problem I have with reading? Never have to verbal it. The reading. term referring to perceive to take action against the oppressive elements. That happened with Stephen and I. Um. Is that? Sorry, he hates. Anti-Semitism, which I understand. Um, all right, so Stephen said, I, my, I posted it, my initial comment was, I love this photo, but I hate anti-Semitism more. Today, we will be on the podcast to dis be our guest um, during the Just Me and Chicks with Ed and Meet Me Radio. Um, Stephen Torres who actually uh, is an here recently in San Francisco. I first remember him at a place called The Spot in LA, like a, as a coffee shop that basically took a workshop on Saturday afternoons. But because it's in LA, it's in this room in the back of the coffee shop that's basically the size of the, the super hot every freaking side. It's LA with a, basically a joke workshop that's actually pretty. Um, 
So Stephen Wurst said, Title 10 anti-Muslim sentiment in an apparent contradiction. Just don't pay attention to people that say he didn't hate the Jews because he didn't kill them. This comment that she made. But I feel like what's happening with and against oppressive elements of reality thing that we are very keen on doing in the 21st century right um stephen has that uh he's good at perceiving social political and economic contradictions and he's her and her anti-semit one of those um political social he can his his strategy is to take action paying attention to them that's reason we shouldn't and um, to the extent of the solution and if you just turn a blind eye anti-semitism um, we're making the false assumption that she or potentially could be making the false assumption that she can't change or doesn't want to change um, And I don't think that's true. I think it is possible for to her to learn and grow. And I and I certainly don't want to make the assumption that it's not possible. And if it is possible, then I know hating her is going to make it impossible. There's no way she's ever going to listen to someone that hates her, even if their reason for hating her um, is justified, because there are good parts of her too. And if at some point in the future she comes to the place where she understands that she was wrong, then she's going to be in a better place. But she's why would she ever hate or why would she ever accept someone who hated her while she was wrong? Does that make any sense? Like, why? Well, why would she ever? Right, like when somebody hates you, it closes dialogue. It makes it impossible to um, reach a better place with them. So um, in chapter two, for example, Fieri says, uh, dialogue cannot exist without humanity. The naming of the world through which men constantly recreate the world cannot be an act of arrogance, right? Um, Dialogue as an encounter of men addressed to the common task of learning and acting is broken off if the parties or one of them lacks humility, right? Like if somebody hates you, why would you talk to them? Good question. We, you wouldn't want to, right? No, most people don't. I mean, most, if some, most people respond in kind in relationships. If you bring, if you, if you hate them they are gonna hate you back that's that's the general that's that can be that's a generally reasonably expected i think response um, um, except in the case of crazy stalkers you know they're that's one-sided love isn't it yeah yeah but i that's what i mean by general of course there's always the exceptions um like your parents yeah. How could they ever really love you if they know that you're just going to go away? Hmm. How, Trina? How? Don't answer that. That's parents is a complex. That's a whole can of worms. Uh, yeah. If you want to get into parents' can of worms, I can do that at the end. Um, 
but I also brought a book by um, Zunzi, which is a an ancient Chinese philosopher, and I want to rename the the word that Fieri uses and 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 frame the way he says um, you know he wants to create a term and does create a term for learning to perceive social political and economic contradiction and to take action against the oppressive elements of reality I absolutely think we should do that and I agree that we should all continue to attempt to learn to perceive the social and political contradictions and to take action against those oppressive elements my disagreement with Stephen and my disagreement with generally hating haters is that hating them is not an action against that type of oppression that's going to work. It's going to be counterproductive. And I know that's counterintuitive because we... We need that emotion of hate... And it comes from the, I think, more, it doesn't come from the thinking part of the brain. I think it comes from the part of the brain that's either mammalian or limbic in that it, it's, it's a, a very good warning for us. You know, it's clearly being anti-Semitic is dangerous and bad and our it's important for us to believe that and feel that way but it's also important for us not to dwell on the hate overly right like if that's all we do if we allow the hate to consume us and we don't put that hate in check that's also going to overtake us and it's going to be we're going to then be out of balance so i'm not suggesting we get rid of hate altogether. I'm not suggesting that we don't ever hate anybody or we don't ever pay attention to that emotion when it comes up for us. What I'm saying is that we recognize it and acknowledge it, and then we can also rationally understand that we need to be careful and to take appropriate action against that particular oppressive element and I'm suggesting that hate is not appropriate for a myriad of reasons that we're going through today but one of those reasons is that it's bad for us individually to spend that much time dwelling on a on a destructive emotion it's like eating too much junk food um, and again, I'm not suggesting that you, we never feel that feeling. I'm suggesting we put it in its proper place, give it a proper balance and contextualization. Um, in Shunji, and when I actually, the first time I taught this, I disagreed with this with my students. Um, X-U-N-Z-I, I'm reading from Basic Writings, um, which was um, translated by Burton Watson. Um, man's nature is evil. Goodness is the result of conscious activity. The nature of man is such that he is born with a fondness for profit. If he indulges this fondness, it will lead him into wrangling and strife and all sense of courtesy and humility will disappear he is born with feelings of envy and hate and if 
he indulges in these, they will lead him into violence and crime and all sense of loyalty and good faith will disappear. So for our own personal well-being, it's important to keep that hate in check. Um, and the reason it's important, in addition to the, the reason, I mean, just the effectiveness of it, if we overindulge in it, and if you want to just generally be a successful person, I would strongly recommend not overindulging in hate. I agree with Zhenzi on that point. And part of the reason for that is that if you take a group and you, and you, and you believe that, um, like, like she's done. I mean, what's wrong with her anti-Semitism is that she hates an, an entire group. I, I don't know the reasons for her hating an entire group, but certainly there are probably some members within that group, like every group, that are deserving of her hate and others are not. And it's, it's unfair and unjust um, and just plain ignorant, obviously, to hate an entire group of people based on something like race. Um, so she's taken a set of people and hated both the good and the bad in that set. And what'll happen if you, if you apply the Zunzi conscious activity and you work on tempering that hate and replacing those feelings of hate with positive emotions like love or gratitude. And again, I'm not saying never register hate. I'm just saying pull it back significantly. Um, then you will apply that same philosophy to the thoughts that you have about yourself. Um, because generally what people tend to do, and I would bet um, Stephen falls into this category based on my experience meeting him, is, this, is that we ourselves also engage in uh, self-talk and self-hate that if we, if we apply that sort of checking and balancing to other people, then that will automatically apply that same balancing and checking to our own self-talk and we'll become happier, more balanced people personally. So it's, a, it's an amazing trick. All you have to do is just not hate on other people, put that in balance and you won't hate on yourself, which then has this miraculous effect of making you a more successful person. Okay, so let me, let me talk about then transitioning on to one of the reasons not to hate her is that what effect does hating her have on her, for us anyway? Like maybe if I was her next door neighbor, that might make a difference, but I live in a completely different country. She doesn't even know Stephen and I had this conversation. She doesn't know how I'm having this conversation now. She doesn't know hate, Stephen hates her. He's, he's engaging in a destructive emotion or an overindulging in a destructive, and it, has, it doesn't even destroy her. It only destroys him. 
right? And I can understand why hate is super, super dangerous. Like none of us want to be on that slippery slope, right? Obviously in the 20th century, we know that anti-Semitism can, is dangerously, um, close to to us to leading to the the genocide that we saw in world war ii and nobody nobody wants that we need to guard against that and again that's why it's okay to register the emotion of hate we just need to pull it back and temper it and i want to know like like why like what does it do for her right like how it doesn't impact her at all so to the extent that she doesn't even know she's being hated is yet another reason it's not going to be effective in, in making a difference. Um, and what's the, the essence? I, I could have sworn that she took that duck face selfie in front of anti-Islamists because they hated her. Well, you know what? Right. Right. Wait, but that's what I'm saying. Like, what is her, us hating her do? Like, we don't hate her. I mean, we or 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 Stephen hating her. Like, it's the point is, she sought out a group of people that hated her, got in front of them, and did a duck face selfie just to put a cherry on top of douchebaggery. What do you mean, just to put a cherry on top of douchebaggery? I, I mean, mean the f do, I didn't you, do you go around uh, looking for uh, black supremacist groups that? actively hate white people and well how do you know me, so 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 you're saying like she wasn't <coughs> i'm saying that those people carried signs yeah that were anti-muslim right you know, there's there's unless if she didn't know how to read you wouldn't want to respond to like if there were if there were signs okay, i mean well, you let, wouldn't let me put it this way if there was a clan rally marching down that street over there right I would not be going towards them. But there are lots of people in San Francisco who would. There are a lot of crazy people in San Francisco, Trina. They're not all crazy. A lot of them are. Yeah. Okay, but what's your point? My point is uh, she did it for attention, and now we've been talking about it for two weeks when I was bored after the first one. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> you don't have to be here. Ah, ah, I, I, I don't. Here. I'm sorry that this is boring. <laughs> it's it's just so important. Uh, and you know the photo I posted is not her selfie. I did not post her selfie. You understand that, right? The photo that went around is not her selfie. She was in it though, right? Yeah. Somebody else took the photo. They took a photo of her taking a selfie. It's not her selfie. They took a photo of her taking a selfie. It's not her photo. That only makes it twice as stupid. Not at all. No. Taking a selfie in front of people that hate you and then doing the duck face. Why is that bad? Just seems a little weird. I mean, Why? Why would it be bad to challenge in that way um, an anti-Muslim group or well, anti-anything group? Because if they're anti-you and you're small and frail, it doesn't sound like that great of an idea to be in front of them. So it's basically, dangerous for her. Yeah, yeah. She, she was basically taunting them into doing violent acts. She wasn't. No, I don't think that's a fair representation of what she was doing. Taking a duck face selfie in front of an anti-Islamic group as an Islamic lady. Is not 
a taunt to violence, no. I don't think that would be legally considered a violent taunt. Yeah, I'm not sure what is considered a legal taunt. Well, you know, I've read some cases about it. I've taken some courses. It's been a long, long time. But I think that like the legal phrase is inciting a riot. Obviously, she's not trying to incite a riot. But I don't know. You think she wasn't I, trying I, to I, incite I, I a riot or just violence? I don't think you know what duck face is meant to do. I mean, think, think about it. The only people that do duck face photos are ladies trying to look beautiful. Right? Am I right? No, that's selfies. like pouty face. Yeah, pouty face is duck face. No, duck face is like... No, it's not kissy. It's she didn't, totally kissy. It is not. Look it up. I, I ha- I've seen the photo. I've looked at it a gazillion yeah, times. She's not doing it, a kissy face. Yeah, because it's called duck face when you do it for a selfie alone. Think about it, Trina. So she's kissing herself. So she's doing a kissy face to herself, and you think that is aimed at inciting riot or violence? The technical term is duck face, and nobody likes duck face. Okay, I get you, but you've you've explained that a duck face is what, like a kissy face? And you think a kissy face at herself is how word games? I just you know what you're telling me doesn't. I'm trying to make sense of what you're telling me, and what you're telling me is it's a kissy face, no? Duck face. Okay, so duck face is not a fuck you face? I think any time that you get in front of people that hate you and you're trying to do a fuck you face, you're, you're kind of tempting fate there. You know, am, am I wrong? I... I think so. It depends on the circumstances. I mean, if they've got sticks raised, but she didn't look very close to them. She looked like she was a safe distance. I mean, they don't have guns or any weapons that I see. Yeah. It doesn't they, yeah, look yeah, to me yeah, like yeah. she's inciting. Since, it depends on how many other people are around her. I mean, if she's alone. Since when do mobs need weapons to be violent, Trina? Since when? Okay, but we're talking about why not to hate her and i don't think that her decision to put herself in danger is a good enough reason to hate her and to engage in that destructive emotion that's counter to our own well-being it doesn't seem to me to be worth sacrificing our own well-being to hate her no matter what she i mean based no matter how i mean we're gonna have to i'm gonna have to hear something kind of way out there to think that it would be worth that destructive emotion Mm. even then i think it would be unlikely i mean because what is her ignorance her ignorance is that she's making false assumptions about jewish people i would assume right that's part of it Mm. false negative assumptions I don't feel like I've satisfied you with my answer. No. We're just... I, 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 well, I feel like you... I feel like you're prejudiced against her because she's anti-Semitic. No, I'm prejudiced against her, her because she's ma- taking duck face selfies. So it's everybody who takes duck face selfies or... More like everybody who takes dumb pictures in dumb places. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's pretty much it. I mean, if somebody took a duck face selfie in front of a, a an active volcano, I'd be 
I wouldn't want to listen to stories about them either. Well, the thing is, I feel like we need to help people understand how to take action against oppression. And so you're suggesting um, that taking a duck face selfie at uh, anti-you protest is not the appropriate action. So what action would you suggest that's appropriate under those circumstances? I don't know. Maybe not trying to interact with them in a way that makes you come off as A, superior to them, B, like you don't really give a shit about them at all when it, they're a group that's opposed to you. But I, I, I mean, I, I, that's what I thought we were, everyone was arguing with me about. I'm, I felt like everyone was like, you know, basically, I think that's that what we're supposed to do to her. I, I, I feel that right? you keep trying to frame the story like okay. she's a hero or a champion when she's just somebody who took a shitty selfie. Okay. Well, let's talk about the hero or champion issue. I, I, I don't think she's a hero. I think she is an anti-Semite who's dealing with anti uh, Muslim protesters is what I think. And I think do, she's... Do, do, do you spend two weeks talking about an anti-hero? Oh, we're going to spend a lot more time than two weeks. I wouldn't come ah. next week if you don't want to talk about this with me again. <laughs> so here's the thing. She is... We don't know anything about her. We're making lots of assumptions about her by hating her. We don't know why she hates Jewish people. I'm not, I'm not suggesting there's ever a, a okay reason, but if so, let's say for example, um, she was, uh, gang raped by Jewish men. Would that, how would you feel about her then? Would you, how would you feel about her hate and her actions if you found out that that was true about her? I would feel that I've spent way too much time figuring things out about her. Okay, well, if you hadn't spent any time trying to figure things out about her and you had just found out, but like if, if, I, if you found out she was, that that was true, just like you found out that she was an anti-Semite, how, how would that change your opinion of her? I, I, I feel you're missing the point. I, I, I don't really want to think about this person any longer. Okay, <laughs> then how about I just talk and, and do what I've prepared? Okay, yeah, all right, let, let me stop, uh, stop, stop stopping you then. Yeah. I mean, I don't mind engaging with you, and but I'm going to argue with you. Whatever you tell me, I'm going to argue it. Yeah. I mean, I'm an attorney. I, that's what I'm here to do is argue. I'm going to go take a leave. Okay. Um, so, I think it's important for us to be careful about making assumptions about other people. I mean, we're, if, if, if we choose to hate her because she hates other people, um, without knowing why she hates other people, I, I feel like we're making, we might be making a mistake in our assumptions about her, just like we think she's making an as a mistake about uh, her, her assumptions about Jewish people. So again, I'm not suggesting that what we do is that we accept her anti-Semitism. Not at all. We hate her anti-Semitism. We just don't hate her. We keep her anti-Semitism in check and we 
are careful not to hate the good with the bad. Um, and again, when I, I think that what we do is we use um, her dilemma. So we don't even have to assume that she is dealing with the same sort of anti-Muslim sentiment that she employs herself. So how do we know then that she... Um, wasn't so influenced by this philosophy. Let's go back to Fieri. One of the basic elements of the relationship between the oppressor and oppressed is prescription. Every prescription represents the imposition of one man's choice upon another, transforming the consciousness of the man prescribed into one that conforms with the prescriber's consciousness. Thus, the behavior of the oppressed is a prescribed behavior following as it does the guidelines of the oppressor. So at this point, what we know about her oppressor to the extent that we are aware that she's dealing with anti-Muslim oppression, we know that her oppressor is um, employing this common um, anti-your group logic whereby our group is all good and your group is all bad. And so she's resisting that. She's saying no, um, my group isn't all bad. You're not seeing the good in our group. I'm very well aware of the good in our group and probably turning a blind eye to the bad. And so if we are dealing, she's saying to herself, you know, at least at a minimum, if, if we employ the logic of one group all good, one group all bad, then my group, Muslims, are not the group that's all bad. Um, and that, and if we... If we only see things as black and white in that way, and my group is um, not all bad because it's at least partially good, if not all good, then you're the group that's all bad. I mean, it's the logic is the logic. And so we have to get away from the logic, get away from the principle, and understand that no one person and no one group is all either good or bad. But we can understand that she is potentially at a minimum trapped in that logic. I'm going to read from Vietti again. Um, to surmount the situation of oppression, men must first critically recognize its causes so that through transforming action they can create a new situation, one which makes possible the pursuit of a fuller humanity. And that is actually not at all what I wanted to read. I, sorry, to, to the wrong place. I mean, we can talk about that. I mean, that's a great sentence. Um, but she has to recognize the causes of oppression. And I'm suggesting that one of the causes of oppression is this binary thinking whereby one group is all bad and one group is all good, right? So one of the things that we have to get rid of is the cause. And if, to the extent that that's a cause, if us hating her and all of her, just like she hates um, the Jews and all of the Jews, it's the same logic. It's just a different set. 
it's either a set of people or a set of cells, it's still a set. And we're not going to hate the entire set if there's good and bad mixed in with the set. And obviously, if there's all bad in the set, also not worthy of hate. Um, but the point is that it's really, really common in struggling to overcome oppression. And if she's taking a duck face selfie at an anti-Muslim rally, she's obviously struggling to overcome oppression. So it's common for oppressors to, as they, or excuse me, the oppressed, as they work through their oppression to become uh, what Fieri calls sub-oppressors. But almost always during the initial stage, I'm sorry, I'm reading from Pieri again, but almost always during the initial stage of the struggle, the oppressed, instead of striving for liberation, tend themselves to become oppressors or sub-oppressors. The very structure of their thought has been conditioned by the contradictions of the concrete existential situation by which they are shaped. So she is shaped by an contradiction of concrete ex her concrete existential situation which is anti-group so she's struggling to f overcome her the oppression imposed upon her group and in doing that she's becoming a sub-oppressor she's becoming a, her own oppressor of a different group her group is oppressed and so she's reacting to that by a group by oppressing another group, and that is not the appropriate reaction to oppression. So first, learning, to, you know, going back to conscious activity, learning to pursue, perceive the social, political, and economic contradictions and to take action against the oppressive elements of reality, you know, it's important for us to get those actions right. And it's difficult for us to get those actions right because we don't know what actions to take. That's the whole problem. We don't know what to do. What do we do? Nobody knows. That's the problem. There is no pedagogy. There is no A, first A, then B, then C. So, I feel, let's see. Also, if you're, if you're hating, let's see, hating is an attempt usually to take action. It's our body's knee-jerk response to oppression. But it's, again, not the action that is going to be effective. The only thing that's going to be effective is an act of love. So I'm going to turn to Fieri again and read from Fieri. The oppressor is in solidarity with the oppressed only 
only when he stops regarding the oppressed as an abstract category and sees them as persons who have been unjustly dealt with, deprived of their voice, cheated in their sale of labor, when he stops making pious, sentimental, and individualistic gestures and risks an act of love. True solidarity, solidarity is found only in the plentitude of this act of love. In its existentiality, it is a praxis. To affirm that men are persons and as persons should be free and yet do nothing tangible to make this affirmation a reality is a farce. So, in other words, sitting home and doing nothing is a farce if you want to spout out that men are persons and as persons should be free. So, at least she's attempting to do something. I'm not suggesting that her attempt isn't flawed. And instead, um, we're going to be reading in chapter 2 of Fieri that what we have to do is expect these actions to be flawed there because there is no pedagogy because we don't know what to do we are going to stumble and fall and we need to expect that we absolutely cannot expect to always get it right and to get it right the first time we are not computers the opposite of hate is not a concert an not it can't be an act in concert with oppression so to the extent that oppression and hate are really commonly associated i mean hate really quickly leads to oppression so we have to be careful that we also in that hate do not become sub-oppressors. I feel like it seems so clear that anti-Semitism is wrong and that we shouldn't um, support anti-Semitism. And of course, there's, that's absolutely true. But that type of hate, that level 10 hate, is in concert. It's consistent with oppression oppressors are hateful so we need to be careful and particularly suspect of action that is taken that's in concert consistent with oppression so why not take action as it relates to her rather than by ignoring her um, by trying to educate her. I mean, it might not work, but at least it's an action that has a chance. Ignoring her has no chance. Hating her has even less chance. And also, how do we know that the act itself, like how do we know that as she makes these attempts, to challenge the oppression that she is struggling with, how do we know that that in and of itself will not educate her out of her anti-Semitism? Right? Like, as she engages in becoming a more fully conscious person through challenging oppression, 
she very well may come to the conclusion on her own that anti-Semitism is bad. I mean, getting back to um, my question posed to um, Ed earlier, we don't know why she's anti-Semitic. Maybe she's completely and totally surrounded by anti-Semites. Maybe she goes to a mosque with a, an anti-Semitic leader. I mean, I, I can make any number of assumptions about her, good or bad, but I think it's dangerous to make assumptions and then use those assumptions to engage in a very destructive emotion like hate. I mean, we better be getting it right when we hate people. Just, I mean, oh God, I mean, then you're no better than her. I mean, if you make bullshit assumptions about her, if you get her really, really wrong, then you're no better than her if you hate her, right? Like, what we don't like about what she's doing is that she's making um, false, false negative assumptions about people that the likely, you know, potentially in an exception proves the rule kind of logic. We don't know. But if we apply compassion, if we, can, if we take her dilemma into account, I'm going to read from Fieri again. The oppressed suffer from the duality which has established itself in their innermost being. They discover that without freedom, they cannot exist authentically. Yet, although they desire, desire authentic existence, they fear it. They are at one and at the same time the sel themselves and the oppressor whose contradictions they have internalized. So I'm suggesting, you know, we, we can, instead of assuming that she's just making this ridiculously ignorant choice to be um, anti-Semitic in the face of no particular context for that. Um, I mean, I, I, at a minimum, she's internalizing conflict. I mean, that is a conflicted position. We can all agree on that. I mean, I mean, I was challenged by Yuri in that, you know, she's a hypocrite. Absolutely. But the problem is we're all hypocrites. Like we all use trash, like it's going out of style. I mean, the future generations are going to think we're, we were ridiculously hypocritical by saying we support the environment and yet consuming so much trash. Um, and so we all fall, can easily fall into that hypocritical, you know, turning a blind eye to our own actions that are inconsistent with our beliefs. So she's clearly internalizing this inconsistency. The conflict lies in the choice between being holy themselves or being divided, be ejecting the oppressor within or not ejecting him, between hum human solidarity or alienation, between following prescriptions or having choices, between being spectators or actors, between acting or having the illusion of acting through the action of the oppressors, between speaking out or being silent, castrated in their power to create and recreate in their power to transform the world. This is the tragic dilemma of the oppressed, which their education must take into account. So what I'm suggesting 
is that we take this into account not to accept her anti-Semitism. We would never, ever do that. We always reject the anti-Semitism, but we never reject her. So we, re we, we inform our hate. We apply reason to our hate. We think about all the reasons that it's, it's not a good idea to indulge and engage in that highly personally destructive emotion of hate. And we do that we pull that back by rationalizing, well, she's clearly in this tragic dilemma, and let's take that into account when we decide not to hate her. So Sunzi again. When we see good, then diligently, this is in um, chapter two of uh, the ancient Chinese philosopher Zunzi, which I have a really hard time pronouncing because it's spelled X-U-N-Z-I, basic writings. Uh, chapter two. When you see good, then diligently examine your own behavior. When you see evil, then with sorrow look into yourself. When you find good in yourself, steadfastly improve, approve it. When you find evil in yourself, hate it as something loathsome. He who comes to you with censure is your teacher. He co who comes to you with approbation is your friend. He who flatters you is your enemy. Therefore, the gentleman honors as his teacher, draws close as his friends, but heartily hates his enemies. He loves good untiringly and can accept reprimand and take warning from it. Therefore, though he may have no particular wish to advance, how can he not help but do so? Right? So what we need to do, we need to employ this conscious activity. When we see parts of ourselves that are good, we need to dwell on those. We need to look upon the parts of ourselves that are bad with sorrow, just like we look on her with sorrow. I mean, let's be sorrowful for the anti-Semitism. Be hyper-vigilant about controlling that so that it doesn't get out of hand and engage in the conscious activity I'm sorry not the conscious activity engage in the attempt to engage in the transforming action of doing something about it instead of just writing her off as hopeless let's maintain our hope and try to figure out a way to overcome her anti-semitism rather than just, again, assuming that it's an unchangeable position of hers. We all get to be wrong sometimes. Stephen's wrong. It happens. Um, let's see. Let's go back to the conversation with Stephen, though. So one of the things he said that I thought was funny was that um, I had initially been frustrated because he, he, he said that, you know, he made that comment that I've heard people say before, which is, well, you know, n now, now I know, you know, which one, ones of my friends research the memes and which one of my friends just forward memes without researching them. And I said to him, 
I could have been nicer. I should have been nicer. I was a little bit too upset at first. Um, I said, are you kidding? Who has time to research every meme? I'm not, like, this Facebook is not, I'm not, I'm not, uh, um, Oh my God, you guys, I'm so sorry. I had my phone out to look at the freaking um, comment from Steve and I got a bunch of um, texts and that totally just threw me off. So I am so sorry that just happened and now I'm thrown off. Um, So I had said, look, this is Facebook. This is not the venue. I'm not a, I'm not a journalist. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, if you, if what you need from me is a disclaimer on my Facebook page that says none of these memes have been independently researched by me and you should take them as such. That seems fair. I, I don't. I mean, it's Facebook. This isn't a newspaper. I'm not posting. I'm not a newspaper. I, I, you know, my, what I posted at the top, it's not her selfie. Again, it's a photograph of her taking a selfie of herself, but it's not her selfie. And at the top, it says, epic troll when you stop at the, at an um, anti-Muslim ra rally um, for a selfie. Right. Um, I mean, I, th I think that that is edition. an appropriate action to take against oppressive elements of society. And I think we are desperate for a pedagogy. We are desperate for an action plan. Nobody has that. So, so let's, I think it's important yes. to emphasize what we can do that's appropriate important. and safe and nonviolent. And I disagree that this is an invitation to awesome. violence. I, that doesn't seem like a fair representation of just taking a photograph. I mean, that's been one of the nice things about the advances in um, there's going to be some other big name players coming up around like Antonio Gates at tight end if you need a tight end and you're oh the Panthers I think are going to be on a buy coming up after this week so that might be a good pickup you know there's plenty of other players coming off of uh, suspensions from substance abuse and other reasons so just be on your antennas and radar keep them up you know like you want to be sure that you're you know not maybe, letting maybe, maybe. your opponents get the best of you on the waiver wire because there's a lot of moves to be done there and you can get some good trades out there there's a lot of people wanting to trade andrew luck wanting to trade cj anderson try and make those trades because the their stock will go up they're gonna wear running backs usually wear down the opponent or they get worn down and with andrew luck his schedule's the afc south Maybe. people so clearly Maybe. he's gonna have a lot of it's a weak Maybe. division so I don't want to keep um, going and spoiling everything and giving off all my secrets. We're going to come back with a game update and game alert. We probably should play some music. Yeah. I'm in like one of those vibes where I'm thinking, let's do something relaxing and soothing. Let's do some reggae, some, some good old Bob. Nice. Yeah, let's, let's do that right now, huh? Start it off Irish styles. <laughs> Here we go. Oh, wait. It was a buffalo soldier 
Welcome to the late, very late CPT edition of the Autocast, which is brought to you by Mutiny Radio. Miss um, Pam Benjamin is not Chia, she is in Jersey and celebrating her kind of holiday, Jersey style. Uh, we wish you well, and I'm hoping that you're having a great time, and I'm hoping that I'm doing everything right here at the station by my lonesome. Uh, today, we will probably be talking, and, you, and excuse me, talking about um, life, liberty, liberty, and the pursuit of Christmas, as well as we might even have a special guest, and I won't be just talking to myself, by myself, with myself. Um, hopefully I'm getting everything intact and right. Hopefully you can hear me out there. Knowing me and electronics, I, it's very fucking foreign for me. So um, I hope that you guys are getting this. Um, so today here at the short attention pan altacast uh that's what we're calling it today we are going to be uh just discussing like what's going on in the world right now we know here in the united states what is going on in the world which is the new trump day and uh it's pretty scary out there i watched the um interview with uh, trevor noah and uh president obama on the daily show which was very moving i had to have my friend hold my hand as i was watching it and um it was very moving i cried um sad of what you worked so hard for comes to an end and we are getting ready to hit the dark ages so uh yeah so i guess it's a revolution in part due and you know i guess we're gonna just try to make revolution sexy i really hope that you guys can hear me out there i hope i did everything correctly because the last time i did this by myself i really fucked up and you could only hear my guest and not me so yeah um so yes so that's going on in the world of trump the new america but with the christmas season going on i am in the christmas spirit uh and um but i haven't bought anybody any gifts and so i've i've noticed myself that uh being in the christmas spirit i'm not giving shit the only thing that you're gonna get is a piece of me which is love uh and uh yeah that's basically what you're gonna get um so more of that it's it's so weird doing this by yourself because i feel like i don't know me being the only child i'm used to talking to myself and having a conversation but the fact of the matter is just like when you have someone else by you it's easier you can talk to someone 
So you guys are, you know, please, if you want to give the station a call, um, you're welcome to do so. Um, our number is 415, area code 550511. Um, and, <clears throat> golly, I hope, Pam, honestly, I hope you're having a really good time. And uh, we're going to take a little small break. I think we are. Oh, wait, there's... See, this is this is why I need help. <laughs> ...ones to hear is the little Monday night jingle. It's just... Oh, it just gets you. It's mesmerizing. It makes me want to play football right now. Yeah. John is back. I'm back. We're here. Fantasy. Let's talk. Woo. Yeah. All right. I hope you all are having a wonderful Thursday night. Reach us at 415-550-0511. MutinyRadio.fm, everybody. And if you guys want, you guys can always come into the station and um, you guys can hang out with us at uh, 2781 21st Street in Florida. Oh no, John. the mission. Here comes all the hate mail and the threats and the people coming to jump me because I'm talking bad about their team. You had to tell them where I'm at, huh? <laughs> you son of a bitch. Yes. <laughs> God damn it. Well, they got to you have tabs on where you're at. Not, not them, but... And shout out to my family out there. Kevin, if you're listening, if she smells like bass. You better pass. Uh-huh. And if she smells like flounder. Woo, you better pounder. <laughs> uh, all right, guys. Well, I wanted to talk a little more fantasy and keep it going because we're just, like, really getting into it. And these daily fantasy leagues and everything else, your regular leagues, it's just so much fun. You get to start fresh again and do whatever you need to do. There is a lot of busts and surprises in fantasy John, what did you what did you see? Oh man, well I mean, look at uh, C.J. Anderson. I mean, his toe—it oh. just keeps on going back to him. We talked about him last week, but yeah, um, that's a big bust. Golden Tate on the Detroit Lions—he uh, he just didn't produce. Okay, we are back to the short attention span of Alticast. Brought to you by MutinyRadio.fm. I am here by my lonesome. Uh, this is Latoya, the Sheriff of Truth. I am sitting in for Pam Benjamin, Miss Pam. She's up in Jersey with her and her boyfriend, having a great time, hopefully. Uh, so yes. So going back to the conversation I had of the holidays, of how being in the Christmas spirit doesn't mean that you have to give as well as consume, which we have a problem here in our country of overconsumption. So being in the Christmas spirit for me uh, certainly relies on, I don't know, small things like helping someone or getting uh, getting a seat off the uh, the mutiny radio, or excuse me, not mutiny radio, the muni. Oh wait, hold on one second. I want to make sure I'm doing this right. I have a feeling. <laughs> Look, I have some help. <laughs> yeah. I just have this weird feeling that I did not do something right. I, uh, I'm trying to be on the air for the short attention span 
And can you hear me out there? No. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm fucking up. Yeah, I well, I had uh, Pam give me the directions. Okay, so you want to turn that on up there? Yeah. Okay, here. Or I'll just shut the door. No, do you want to take his leash off and I'll shut the door? Yeah. Hold on. Hold on to your shorts. Uh, yeah, please. I don't know if you have, like, special plans for today. I just need to kill no, time. No, I'm, I'm bored as fuck. I need to kill time until like four. Oh, cool, yeah. I'm, I'm actually off today, so it works. <laughs> and I brought it. Yeah. Yeah, you're on. Oh, I'm on. Oh, so you guys have been there the whole time. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. See, testicle difficulties. I told you I'm not good with technology. I'm shit for technology. But anyway, being in the Christmas spirit does not mean that you have to overconsume and consumption and all that fun stuff. I got myself into the Christmas spirit because I am not talking to my mother. And I am anti-parents this year. One of the reasons, because parents can be shitheads. So... The rule to surviving a wonderful, magical holiday um, when your parents are shitheads? Friends. Friends and food, drinking and drugs. So this is one of my uh, personal things of surviving the holidays uh, and not being with your parents, if that makes any sense. You have to excuse me, guys, out there. I've smoked a little bit of P.O.T. and... Uh, that was my breakfast this morning. Breakfast of champions and trees. And um, I'm having a cerveza as we speak, but not in the station. Wink, wink. So, um, all that said, um, I've been having that little twinkly feeling in my heart of doing on to others and being nice to mankind and all that fun shit so I guess that means I am in the Christmas fucking spirit I've already watched Christmas Vacation and Bad Santa twice so that I guess that means I am in the holiday spirit whatever that means and plus you know when people are very generous as well as being in my industry which for some of you probably heard me say that I um, work in the service industry uh, people have been very nice and generous with their tips so for those who are very nice and generous with your money thank you you're throwing on uh, for the poor <laughs> oh and <laughs> are you hearing me ramble on <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah by the way, thank you, Laughing Monk. That is a, a local brewery in my neighborhood. Um, they, um, they're they a really, really dope brewery. It's a goza. Taste it. Drink some. Please. Be merry. No, taste this. It's it's a sour ale. It's a goza. Ooh, that's weird. It's like a Saison. You think it's like a Saison? Kind of. Really? Yeah. A little it's, bit. Really? A tiny bit tiny bit yeah yeah no i just i feel like saisons are like more of like pale ales to me no i still get the kind of tangy tang 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 oh the tang tang yeah. the tang tang hey i'm so glad that you're here Good, me too. yeah uh timothy and, uh, tim tim yeah uh 
uh, Tim from they uh, they call me Tim is here, and he actually saved my life. Thank you, thank you very much. Um, welcome to the uh, AltaCast. It's very Alta. Pam's in Jersey, and I'm hosting. Weird. Now I'm not rambling on. Oh, he's looking for headphones as we speak. So, <clears throat> um, Christmas, Christmas spirit. Uh, if you guys want to share some of your thoughts and stories, uh, you can always call at Mutiny Radio FM at area code 415-550-0511. I could have heard, I was hearing myself there for a moment. What heard? happened? Yeah. And, and what? Uh, no, no. no. Uh, yeah. Tune in Tokyo. Hi, Tim. How are you? I, um, I can't. Oh, 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 wait. Uh, Mike three, right? Hello, hello. Yes, hello. yes, hello. yes. Okay, cool. Dude, I know what I'm doing, sorta. Nice. Yeah, yeah, you're a regular old uh, DJ on the radio. You called me old. Those are fighting words. I mean, I'm older than you. <laughs> I, dude, I'm not playing that game. Right. <laughs> so, Tim, what's up? What? Uh, how's your week been? Uh, sort of crappy, but uh, kind of crappy. Um, why? Uh, okay. why? I've been working too much. Ditto. Yeah. Ditto. But that's how you're able to buy these nice little toys and what have you for, you know. Yeah, it's all fine until something goes wrong. And then, like, I'm still there. Like, I can't just, like, like if I fuck up really bad, I have to, like, stay there and, like, deal with it i can't just like cut out and what is it that you do what is it that you do again i do stuff with boats not (laughs) not fellatio just stuff with boats stuff with boats yeah (laughs) boat stuff but that's creative right i mean it sounds like fun no it's not fun at all um yeah I have to say, I was still traumatized by the story that you uh, laid on me a couple weeks ago. Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah. Um, we had a conversation a couple weeks ago. I'm sure you guys heard it on the air. Timothy uh, shared us uh, a story. Uh, you can listen to our archives if you want to know what it's about. You just made me feel better. No, it's not as, it's, my week isn't as bad as that day. Uh, yeah. Okay, good. See? Yeah. Now we're all kosher. Mm-hmm. See? Yeah. And, Yeah. That was that was a hot mess. Oh, yeah, well. yeah, because it, it's weird because I, I you know, there's this person I've had someone interested in anal sex and I'm not into it. Mm-hmm. And I yours had nothing to do with anal sex, but it was just like anal leakage. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we're going to leave it at that. <laughs> Merry bloody Christmas. Literally. Are you uh, in the holiday spirit? Are you feeling I got a weird, tingles? I got a weird relationship with the holidays. Like, uh, I get, uh, well, like the past, well, my whole life I've always hated Christmas. And then um, uh, it started getting really bad. Like, I would just get, like, downright depressed around the holidays. So I said a couple of years, two or three years ago, I just started saying, fuck it. And being like, I'm just going to embrace this shit. I'm just going to buy presents early. Just going to get myself a Christmas tree. Yeah. Just tell myself I like this shit. Quit being such a fucking uh, poopy pants about it. So last year I got the Christmas tree and it just turned into a metaphor for like, 
how my it turned into like a metaphor for the relationship with my Christmas. There's always something wrong with it. Like I'd come home and like none of the yeah. lights would work, and then I'd freak out and rush out and go buy more lights, and then like it would break, or I'd come home and it'd be knocked over. You sound like you were looking for perfection. Yeah, I'm just trying. I'm just trying to not be insane. It's um, yeah. It, it it is the season of insanity well, yeah, and death. You have like the days are shorter. Like everything feels like jet lag because like you're all fucked up from the light. And, and then, then the like, end of the year on top of that. Yeah, so at the end of the year on top of that. You got all these plans. Your schedule gets jacked around because there's all these holiday days. Everybody's trying to swap days with you. Like and yeah, you got like all this extra fucking thing. And then uh, there's this whole air of like having to be happy. Yeah, and like everywhere. It's you, not. It's the most stressful time yeah, and, I know, and, and depressing. And there's alcohol everywhere. Oh, and, and so, yes. I agree. Those, I mean, for people who say yeah. like, I've been dry for six months, this is their six months of like, I'm done. Yeah. You know, so yeah. totally. So it's like, uh, yeah. So it's like, you just got, you're just surrounded by all this shit. Like everywhere you go, there's just food you shouldn't be eating. Alcohol yeah. You shouldn't be drinking. Debauchery. I think Christmas yeah. is about debauchery. Yeah. But it's like a weird debauchery. It's not like a debauchery for the sake of debauchery. It's like a debauchery because you have no other outlet. Yeah. It's like, I've called exes that I didn't want to call. <laughs> I like couldn't deal with myself and wanted to have like some sort of other, Oh, you know, like oh my conversation God. for whatever crap I went through that day. Oh, but, um, <laughs> So far, not yet this year. Yeah, I, I was just talking earlier about like I, I have gotten that tingly Christmas feeling, but it, it hasn't been like past of like worrying about like having to like buy presents. It, it's just the fact of like, I'm going to get a Christmas tree. I was like decorating my house and stuff and watching Bad Santa. So, like I said, like, I only get in the Christmas spirit when I watch... Yeah, I've watched the It's a Murray Christmas, like, three times now. Really? Yeah, the Bill Murray one. The beer... Oh, I love that one. That one yeah. came out last year. Yeah, I just like the part when, uh, what's your face, Maya Rudolph sings, Christmas! <laughs> it's so good. It's, so good. Yeah, I love her. Yeah, she's yeah. fantastic. I didn't... I had no idea she could sing like that. Her mom is, uh, Minnie Rippleton. Who the fuck is Minnie, Minnie Rippleton? Loving like, you. That sounds like It's easy because... You're beautiful. Do 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 do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's her mom. Minnie Rippleton. Yeah, her. Yeah. It sounds like code. <laughs> um, yeah. Her dad was a Jew and her mom was a black woman that could sing. Oh, that's so that true. means her dad was a manager. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but um, no, I I just like. I don't know. It. I felt a little bit of a release of not having to deal with any parents. I was mentioning earlier of like, I'm not in the best terms with neither parents right now. And I'm okay with that. And it's less stressful. I think that's why I got into the Christmas spirit because I am not talking to my parents and I'm just being extra nice. And I'm like having that tingling sensation of like, yay, tinsel and bullshit. And the end of the year until I go to work and then it's like, yay, white people. Yeah. They kill it for you. They do. They they take everything. They're shitbags, man. <laughs> Certain types of white people. Yeah, the I just want to like let you know that. With like a Patagonia fleece and like, <sighs> and like three kids behind her. You know what? I can't even be mad at those white people anymore. I used to be, but yeah. no. Working in the marina, there's a new special of white people. We have that, a new species. Yeah. Oh, oh, honey, no, they've been there. The Republicans, the Ambers, and the Chads that I always like to mention. The ch- Ambers and Chads. The Ambers and the Chads uh, and the Tefanas. Ah, uh, those white people. And by the way, every culture has those people within a culture where you're just like, I'm not associating. Por ejemplo, niggas. 
I'm not going to associate with some niggas because, well, well, they niggas. And there are certain types of crackers I'm not going to associate. Those would be the marina people. Yeah. And, yeah, every, every race has those people. I just want to let you know that. I'm not a racist. I play one on TV. <laughs> there was a, a, I think there was a bank heist in the marina yesterday. Is this a bit? No, it's not a bit. <laughs> it's not a bit. This is why I I use my comedy is based on like the shit that happens to me in the marina. Um, I think there was a bank heist yesterday uh, across the street for where I work, and I only saw three cop cars, and I was just like, boy, if this was like on Third Street in Bayview, guess how many cop cars there probably would have been. A lot. Yeah. None. A lot to none. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, like, I grew, I grew up working in Bayview, like, uh, 3rd and Gerald. Cause my, uh, oh, right by my house. Nice. Yeah, my pops owns, uh, you know, the produce market is, like, uh, the big stalls where the trucks are. Like, oh, yeah. really? Yeah, yeah. One of the last ones called What a Tomato. That's my pops place. Oh, that's dope. So I grew up working midnight to 10 a.m. out there. Oh, and, so you've seen some shit. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, I remember one night, uh, one of the projects was on fire. and uh, Those aren't projects, by the way. Those are... Nice townhomes compared to where I come from. Back, back then, they were projects, but uh, <laughs> they're pretty. They, they, were, they got a nice view. Yeah, they were burning down, and uh, they were uh, shooting at the cop cars as they were coming in. Yeah, that sounds that. So they couldn't even get in anybody to like. That sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, I don't know. I'm from the suburbs. Um, I mean, I grew up in the suburbs too. I, I just had the luxury of getting to work in Hunters Point. Uh, which kind of gave me a wider outlook. <laughs> but that, um, but honestly, like compared to like uh, growing up in the Midwest and seeing like you know people talk about Cabrini Green and in Chicago, where you know there is no view. Those projects have a beautiful view, like uh, of it, the bay. It's the sunniest part of the city. And warmest, yeah, yeah. and the warmest. It's it's it's. I'm like, dude. If this is a project, kudos, because you guys got a, I mean, well, you guys, you be, you people have a beautiful view. That's all I have to say. Nice. I mean, that that's all I got. And now that's why they're having, like, or making a million dollar project, or not project, well, they are projects, technically, I guess, uh. over there in Hunter's Point, where I live. I'm not Hunter's Point, actually. I'm Bayview. Let's just get that straight. Where are you? Where are you? I am on, uh, I'm off Thornton and 3rd Street. Okay. I'm not going to give you my real address out there <laughs> because uh, that's yeah. weird. Um, but yeah, I've been here for almost four years and I can say like um, living in my community, it's the most diverse community to me in San Francisco because you get black, brown and uh, Asian and then you get, you too, yeah. and, get and, 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 and the cool white people. Not the marina white people that You're I had to deal some with. Marina white people, though. I was getting, when I was living over there last a couple of years ago. I was getting some marina white people. Oh no, yeah. they must be near Dog Patch. Yeah, but they act like they're really cool because they live in Hunters Point, but they're still marina types. <laughs> the, the pretenders. Yeah, yeah, they were pretenders. <laughs> maybe like the husband used to be cool, but like. Yeah, I don't know. Or maybe the husbands and the black girls, or yeah. the wives and the black guys, and something. <laughs> some weirds going on. Not that being into black girls is weird. But, uh, <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> yeah, um, oh, and by yeah, that's that's really funny. 
So no, there was a I, a guy came up to me about having a black girl fetish. This is when I was after work. Are you serious? Yeah. I like 2016 shit like this still happened. Dude, yo, it's the shit's real. Like, I I remember making out with a white dude, and he's like, I've never been with a black girl before. I'm just like, why does that even matter? I can tell you how many white dudes I've been with, and I don't have enough hands. But <laughs> it was just like it's baffling. It really is. I I we're still. It's I don't know. Let's talk about neighborhoods. All right. <laughs> My neighborhood's pretty weird. Where do you live? I live in East Oakland, Fruitvale. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, by the way, we didn't mention this last week about like the whole uh, thing that happened uh, with the warehouse. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which is that's obviously not too far away from where you oh, are. Yeah, I walk there. Yeah. Yeah. No, it sucked really bad. I lost a couple of friends. I'm sorry to hear that. Well, I mean, wouldn't you say that I wanted to talk about this last week, actually, um, with the whole thing, because I, rem- I watched the interview uh, with the gentleman that had the lease, the lease owner. Oh, okay. did you see I that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, by the way, did you watch that? Did you see that on the Today Show? And no. he kind of freaked out a little bit. I don't get why it was his responsibility if he didn't own the building. But who is the owner? Some Vietnamese lady. And where is she? Who knows? She owns a few buildings in the city. It's probably in one of those. And you don't hear about her. No, it's like my landlord doesn't come over and make sure that I check my fire alarms. He comes over and checks my fire alarms. Right. You know, like I don't... I didn't know. Is that part of his job? Uh, well, this is what this is why I found. He kind of just seems like the perfect scapegoat because he's yeah, stupid and he's getting, an artist, and it's making. Yeah, I, I think um, what I was watching on the Today Show because I just heard the fact that like he's the lease he he owns the lease, but I didn't hear him say that he owns the building or what have you. Oh, he and, he actually owns the lease on the building. Yes. Oh, okay, that would make him responsible. Okay, so yeah, but, I thought he just rented. Okay. Yeah, he's he own, he owns the lease, but you don't hear anything about who owns the building, who owns the property. Right. And so that's one of the two things that um, I was like confused about because it's just like okay, so yes, that this is his responsibility, but who also owns the property? Mm-hmm. That lady. That lady. Oh, um, we have another guest. Her name is Miss Jolene. Uh, she's going to put some earphones and stuff on and what have you. Um, hi, Jolene. Welcome to uh, the very uh, short edition of the AltaCast uh, on CPT. <laughs> um, you guys can keep going. I'm not doing a show. I'm just hanging out here. I, no, please hang out. Yeah. Please. I, I like your presence. And especially... Um, Oh, nice. Uh, especially what we were talking about. Um, basically, we were talking about the uh, the warehouse uh, that burned down in Oakland. And um, what I think it's, wouldn't you say like it's kind of like a, a, you had people that lived there. And the reason why you had people living there, one of the reasons is because, well, who can afford to live here? in the whole bay area people that work yeah yeah but
but what is uh what is your take on the fact of like people living there in the warehouse and the thing is like it's kind of like the norm here but there's a lot of buildings here that aren't up to code and what have you and and any building can be the next but um i mean i i I have no opinion on like how people are living here like i've seen people you know, shooting on the street, living in tents. Okay, like right, right that shit street. right there, I don't like. <laughs> I, I mean, it's I don't like it at all. I hate those people. They have been robbed by them a couple of times, breaking into my car and all this other shit. Um, but these guys in the warehouse, I mean, like I knew a lot of people that I've, I've been to that warehouse before, and it was a fucking death trap inside there. It was cool, like the whole setup was. Yeah, it was like Swiss Family Robinson at Disneyland. Oh, like it was like a big, you know, bunch of. I mean, whoever built it did a pretty decent job i mean the little loft they made up there could hold all those people it was it was cool um there was just too many people up there um i heard the stairs were really faulty well it's one of two warehouses that i've got in my mind and one of them's smaller and one of them's larger and if it's a larger one then that a lot of things were pretty faulty in that place yeah i actually it's interesting um, i was watching the news and the lady People like who were renting the space out. The couple, I she went to my high school. And it's crazy because it's sad to see her upset, crying, you know. And like I was, I saw her and then on the news, and I was like, they said her name, and she actually went to my high school. She was a couple years older than me, and I just think it's, you know, I don't wish that upon anybody to have that responsibility of knowing that what? building murdered and burned people alive well i mean the thing is like i know you know i mean being a property oh go ahead i'm sorry i think the situation would have been fine if they just had the fucking they had a fire exit and sprinklers yes that's little little things of responsibility as a building and that was what i was going to go to it's just like if you are holding the lease or what have you and you're an artist and what and i get it i totally get it because i don't know shit about buildings that's why i don't own any property because it's things like these that i have to educate myself on but like if you're going to hold parties or what have you there has to be like some kind of like fire escape or what have you some way you know it's even when i had parties at my house and the cops would come it's just like this is the back door if the popo comes we're gonna make this space to escape that stuff until there's now every time i'm somewhere i'm like all right where's the fire exit and that's new for me well but also it's i think that the thing too which is about our city san francisco is that it's it also goes to like down to like people making money and the business of it. I've gone to tons. I grew up going to a lot of warehouse parties in downtown LA. Yeah. Since I was little, yeah. I, I had friends who threw the parties, so I would I would go to the event after where they would have to pay the owner because you have to pay for a deposit for the event. You have to pay for the cleaning people. Yeah. And then, so that's the kind of tricky part of all, all of it too, because in my head I'm like, oh, these people are making money, and then the right right i mean absolutely greedy and it's all about money and how they're gonna make money and then they they're forgetting about the companionship of like actually caring about people and caring about each other rather than just how am i how am i gonna make a book well you're definitely not gonna get that during this administration i can tell you that so that peace and love shit is dead right now 
<laughs> I wish it was still going on. But I mean, the fact of the matter is just like the greediness part of, I, I also, you know, I, I can't sit here and judge it because I don't know this man. I don't know. I, I didn't know anybody there. I was freaking out because I thought it was one of the people maybe that you knew, Jolene, because you would go to a lot of these parties or what have you. Yeah. Or the six degrees of separation or and what have you. And, you know, and the fact of having be responsible of like making sure that something simple of like having um a place to run period i believe in like having space and maybe this person the gentleman that owned the lease he didn't know what he was doing which obviously not but I also feel like maybe he was taking advantage of people a little oh, bit. The I, don't I don't really know enough about that, that part of the situation. But that's why I don't want to sit here and judge. But I part of me has an inkling of, uh, maybe you just... Well, yeah, because if you're making fast money, because you're, you're renting out these spaces, making money off of your space, and it's like easy money happening, you know, like... People probably pay a lot of money to rent that space to throw an event. I mean, I remember my friends renting warehouses, and you had to pay thousands of dollars to rent that warehouse from this warehouse owner, and then you also had to pay for the cleaner, the cleanup the next day. It was, it's like, it's a money-making negotiation, right? Like anything else. But I don't know those people. I just remember the girl, the gal from high school, and all I know is like, I just think it's devastating that all those people burned to death and they had nowhere to run and I think it, it also makes me think of the most simple thing like safety first yeah <laughs> I mean it. it's pretty much like, uh, yeah and especially like you it's you you hear you, having a good time you, you never know if it's your last good time and the thing is like I know all of us here have been in like dangerous situations and what have you and not paying attention and not being aware, but we're so much having a good time, which is not our, which is not a problem. It's not our fault or what have you. But I think as artists, we have to take a little bit more responsibility and be a little bit more aware, you know, of things. And I'm not, and I'm not talking about the victims or anything like that i'm not saying that i'm saying like if you are going to have property or have a party or do something you have to be a little bit more responsible rather than like i'm just having a party and i don't know if that makes any sense i, don't, I mean no it does i mean i think everybody should just be aware of their surroundings in general you know um yeah everybody's on their cell phone constantly and they're like, yeah yeah. I mean, I don't think that was the best segue that I just said. I mean, it's, but, yeah. you know, I, I saw one of the firefighters talking about it, and it's like they're a bunch of kids. Kids aren't thinking about fire code. No, no. Yeah. Are know. we when we go to a place? No. no. Well, maybe we are now, but no, not. Wait, but apparently, like, the fire extinguisher didn't work there, right? Are they what? The okay, I didn't know about that. That's effed that up. The Did they ever figure out what caused it? Was it the fridge? Yeah, I think it was the fridge. It was like. A fucking refrigerator. See yeah. this? <sighs> well, they brought the fridge in and tried to fix it like a couple months before or something, and then like. Wow. Short so it, it was something just as simple like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I. This is why I don't trust appliances. That's really. I had a lot of fires when I was a kid, and. Oh, I don't. I Oh yeah, those things are death traps. In my room, and all 
all my childhood memories burned and my blinky and I was devastated because I could never replace that blinky. The, uh, I had mom tried to get me another one and I was like, it's not the same. I got that from grandma's Oldsmobile in the back seat and it smelled like cookies. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing I own smells like cookies. Your dog. Wait, where is your dog? Okay, cool. I I actually um I had a fire in my room, but it was stupid because this is when I was in my chanting phase in high school, and I was lighting incense, and I had my yarn hat right next to my Radiohead poster. And uh, on my stereo, no, no, this is no, it was bad, it was stupid. And so, uh, I went to the kitchen and like I come back, I'm like, oh my god, my room's on fire, my room's on fire. And my radio hope, radio head poster is just like slowly like burning, it's what they would have wanted. <laughs> and then, like, my mom's like, I'm calling 911, and 911, thank god we live in the suburbs, they came quick like a motherfucker. <laughs> And you had the whole fire department in my little tiny ass bedroom. Just and my mom's like trying to put it out, and she burns her leg, and she still blames me for that to this very day. The scar that my, the fire in my bedroom left. Um, yeah. And they put out the fire in my bedroom. But I mean, not trying to make light of the situation. Not trying to do it. Um, it it you know the thing is it's just like it's it's always a scary situation where you you. You never know when the n- next time is going to be your last time, kind of thing. Yeah. Life is just a moment, you know. Like it makes you think. Like you got to really count your blessings, and you never know what's going to happen. You never know. Yeah, it's you know all the stupid pettiness and you know and seeing this i even had my uncle like text me because he thought i was probably there because he knows what kind of girl i am um he texted me all the way from spring from missouri he's like are you okay and i'm like and i was watching it on the news i was just like no i'm fine but i i i pray for those people who weren't and i i i think it has a lot to do not just with the fact of like you know a building being not up to code but i also feel like it has something to do with the fact of like the living situation here in the bay Mm -hmm. area and how it's turned to a greedy place like for people to rent even even if you do own a building it's it ain't cheap to upkeep things you know it's i don't know I, i i i'm not trying to make light of the situation at all I really not. It's well. Didn't they like take the numbers off the building so that like when the city came to like do inspections, they couldn't find them? Yeah. That's shady. Yeah. So I mean, and then there's that personal responsibility. It also makes you think about like taking um like the wrong shortcuts, you know, right, like right, taking right. like trying to get like a shortcut to like keep your building and yeah continue your business during these warehouse events yeah. and but if you're gonna do something like do it right and the, like a, a shortcut like that costed maybe how many lives now like, uh 35 I mean, like, 35 i really yeah. i really like i really like that scene and all the music and the people and everybody in it but like that i mean me personally i mean as like for what age i am and like what i like to do my if that was my life like 100 percent, like i would not I would never choose to live the way they did. 
like I'm an artist. I've made do. You know, like yeah. I don't, you know, I don't. I it's like I, I don't. I can't speak for everybody there, but I mean, I, I'm guaranteed you would have found some crystal in that place. Like, really? Yeah, yeah. totally. They, they, so they're kind of like speakers. I don't think all of them were, but I, I mean, you know, yeah. the of course, you know, there somebody was sprinkling themselves with some M8. Yeah. The M E T H. Really? Yeah. Totally. Um, I mean, it's a weird scene because, like, you get the normal people that well, you get the people. There are a lot pe- of tweakers in Whittier, let me tell you, and I'm from Whittier. <laughs> uh, I played in Whittier. Of- there are a lot of tweakers in There's Whittier. A lot. <laughs> Is that kind of about Eureka? It's not to be me, no. It's, it's East West LA. Like, it's. Uh, okay, I was thinking of somewhere else. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not trying to talk shit. There's a, there's Quakers and there's Tweakers. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, one of the other warehouse parties I'd go to, they'd have to close up at midnight because if they didn't, then there was a whole scene of like meth dudes that would come and just start like being really? really aggressive with all the women. At and that place? No, at one of their like friends' places. This place was called Otherworld. Um, and towards the end, like they couldn't have parties till like three, four in the morning because the crowd that would show up. Because it was a bunch of tweakers. I, I don't know. I don't necessarily know. I just know the crowd was really aggressive and. Oh, that because yeah. no, that shit is tweaker shit. That's tweaker hour. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's tweaker, tweaker hour. Yeah. I'm sorry, I just do not like tweakers. No. Because they worse than crackheads. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's I just really never been like, into it. No. Okay, I don't know. When I saw these people on the news, the couple, like, yeah, I remember the lady I went to high school. She's always been artsy, you know, out there. But, like, her husband, I, I, I've I, never seen him. But to me, when I looked at them, they just look, like, to me, they look like burn, burners. Like, I'd be, like, in my head, in my stereotyping mind that I have sometimes. I'm like, oh, they look like burners to me. Like, they should just, just got out of Burning Man. <laughs> Not to me, but they do. And I'm, I'm, I mean, and so I feel like Burning Man is definitely, like, this, like, super expensive, big party. It's a tweaker party. Well, I mean, I know lots of people have had lots of fun, but I also feel like... Maybe, I don't know. The money thing with everything, it, just, it takes away from so much. And it oh, takes yeah, you can be wealthy to go do that shit. It takes away from people, like, caring about each other. See, thing. now this is a great segue into, like, tweakerism. <laughs> yeah, about, like, caring, like, oh, how are those people going to be safe? Is that person safe? Oh, you fell on the floor, are you okay? Did you hear that story about Burning Man? No. About... See, my friend went to Burning Man a couple of years ago. I feel like it's a cult in a way. I kind of, and it's there was culty. like. It's a like, dirty, it's, it's dirty, just, like, you ain't take a bath and wash your balls cold. No. Yeah, no. <laughs> you can't believe me. People have fancy showers at Burning Man and people are. Yeah, but. A lot pe- of people have, like, you, it, it turned into a yuppie party is what yeah. I think. I've never gone. I've never gone. gone. I miss I my heyday. I go. I would like to see the art, but I'm. I'm I like to wash my ass. <laughs> you, you can wash your ass there. Somebody will want want you to wash your fine ass in their, their No, someone will be like yeah, they- <laughs> So this guy was at Burning Man and uh, there was some tent structure thing and this guy hung himself on the top of it. Fuck. Yeah, was this the last one? I don't know. And everybody thought it was artwork. They left oh, him up there for like... They took pictures and stuff? Oh yeah, my yeah. god, everybody no! Everybody thought it was fucking artwork and then somebody came in and was like, yo, that's my friend. He 
he's fucking dead. Yeah. Okay, okay. See, see that's this what is. I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. That's what it makes me think when all this, with this, and it makes me think like these people have so much technology. And Artists are posers? Forget, no, they just forget about like, you know, like how to care and have some fucking common sense. Some compassion and some empathy. Common sense. Yeah, the artists out here are different compared to where I live in Chicago. Y'all, y'all a little bit different. <laughs> like, and the thing is, it's just like, meaning, meaning the fact of like, I see a lot of more, I, I've never seen so many poser artists in my entire life until I moved right, out here. Right, right, right. <laughs> well, I'm from LA, and in LA, you know, like, we, downtown LA, you go to downtown LA, people started rent, renting out huge warehouses, and they would live in them, but they were like, they would have the best art shows and all those people I remember they made sure that their codes were up to par in their, these warehouses so like they North were Korea, like, uh, downtown LA yeah, downtown. Yeah. Like, but I know other warehouse parties I went it was like yeah you're in the most wildest random warehouse and it's for a night and yeah there is that risk but I, I hold on I want to go back to the uh, Bernie man gentleman hanging himself yeah. and how many instagrams probably people posted on that probably uh well, all google searches so no no it. yeah i mean and that's that's the scary thing about like you know a lot of people call themselves there's so many people now that call themselves artists and i guess this kind of like trails into the fact of what we were talking about with like the whole um warehouse party and the artists what have you how many people out there do call themselves artists when they you know artists can be really really vicious people and also ignore and actually inhumane for example of like that story that tim just mentioned which is totally effed up i mean i didn't hear about that either I the article right here yeah um it's from uh, denver colorado so drive all the way from colorado to fucking come here to hang yourself in a desert <laughs> i'm not laughing at the dead i'm laughing at the situation uh, that's intense that didn't even yeah i'm trying to they're not talking about that but um hang on maybe they will but why do people suck yeah. <laughs> um well wait till two, uh 2017 more people are gonna suck we are in the trump age so you're gonna yeah, they don't talk about how long he was up there because they're probably trying to be respectful for the family or something but, that's um, fucked up let me see oh here's another this one looks a let little me see. bit Uh, and by the way uh mutiny uh radio fm listeners we have uh some call me tim which will be coming up next oh no i'm not doing nothing oh oh i actually no i guess this is just going to be the the cpt of they some of them call me 